Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from Jesus Christ, our Savior. And to continue with today, with you today, a sermon series we began on who you are in Christ, about your new identity in Him. For what God has declared certainly never returns to him void. And today what I'd like to talk with you about is a new name that God has given you, the name Beloved. That is, that you are loved by God. Listen to what God's word declares. Jude begins his letter in this way. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called Beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. Then Paul, in Romans chapter 1, says, To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace, loved by God. And then in 1 John chapter 4, John the Apostle says, And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the expiation for our sins. And Paul quotes Hosea in Romans chapter 9, saying, Those who are not my people, I will call my people. And her who is not beloved, I will call beloved. So what I'd like to talk with you about today is that God loves you. And what I want to ask you is, is this in your heart? It's in our heads. It is in our hearts. But how deeply has that word gotten into you? There's nothing so important as this. When you face life, And when you face death, as to know that you really are truly loved by God. If we're unsure of it, we're unsteady and nothing is good. My aim today is to help you to know and to believe that you are really truly loved by God. We got it in our heads, but how deeply has it got into our hearts Remember that old Simon and Garfunkel song? I got a number of songs for you today. I don't know if I'll sing them all. I kept on missing the B minor in the children's sermon. Sorry about that. My first debut. But the Simon and Garfunkel song goes something like this. I'm a rock. I'm an island. I've built walls, a fortress deep and mighty that none may penetrate. I have no need of friendship. Friendship causes pain. It's laughter and it's loving I disdain. I am a rock. I'm an island. Don't talk of love. I've heard these words before. It's sleeping in my memory. I won't disturb the slumber of feelings that have died. If if I never loved, I never would have cried. I'm a rock. I'm an island. I have my books and my poetry to protect me. I'm shielded in my armor, hiding in my room, Safe within my womb, I touch no one, and no one touches me. I'm a rock. I'm an island. And a rock feels no pain. And an island never cries. Is that the characterization of a human heart or what? Right? What happens is that we're born into a sinful world, and we get hurt because the world is rough and unloving. And so to protect our hearts from wounds, we build walls, and we make them high and mighty. 
The trouble with walls is that it not only keeps out the bad, but it keeps out those who mean us good as well. I want to ask you today, how open is your heart to God's love? I know you believe it. I know, I know he has opened your hearts to love, to know him, to his love, but how deeply? Is there a uh, crust around your heart, a hardness, a fortress, where you haven't really let God's love get in and multiply and abound deeply? Well, I'd say that's the case for all of us. And so what my aim is, is the same as it is in John's letter. 1 John 4, 16, he says, So we have come to know and believe the love God has for us. When he says that, it's apparent that we can know it and we can believe in it. And I think the whole Christian journey, our whole Christian lives as we walk together in Christ is about growing in that knowledge of his love and then also loving one another. My desire then is that God's word today, God would speak to you his grace and your hearts would open like a flower before the son, the son of God, that uh, you would open up like a clam, an oyster to its pearl, which God places within you. So let's talk about that today. I want to open your hearts. That is, I want God to do it to his love. What would God teach us? What would God say to his people today on earth about his love? Well, number one, God says this through you, through me to you. I loved you even when I created you in the womb and before that. Where is this written? First, uh, in in uh, Psalm 139. Listen to the, see if you can perceive in here. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me, says David. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You're acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, lo, O Lord, you know it all together. For you formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, O God. My soul knows that very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately wrought in the depths of the earth. Thy eyes beheld my unformed substance. In thy book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are thy thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they're more than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. So says David, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You know what this means? It means you're not a mistake. There's no illegitimate children. Whether or not you're legitimate or illegitimate, Illegitimate, easy for me to say. You are not a mistake. You were created legitimately by God. Not particles randomly thrown together by chance and fortune, but a loving God wove you together in love, put your sinews of your body together in love in the womb. I loved you even in the womb I loved you. Before you were born and I rejoiced at your birth, And even, God says, I loved you before I even made this old world. Isn't that amazing? Think back all those ages and eons and centuries. Ephesians 1 verse 4, Paul says, He, that is God, chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us. Let me say that again to you. Let it sink in. In love. 
he predestined us. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he's blessed us in the beloved, Jesus Christ, the one loved by God. Isn't that beautiful? God says, I created you in the womb, I loved you. From then, and at your birth, I loved you. And even before the foundation of the world, not for any good that you did or any good in you, I chose you. I chose to place my love upon you and love you with an everlasting, steadfast love. So then, why do we get to these words from Simon and Garfunkel, which I think ring very true? I'm a rock. I'm an island. I've built walls, a fortress deep and mighty that none may penetrate. Well, God created you as a loving God in love. He's loved you with a steadfast, everlasting love. And yet you were born into what? A pretty terrible world. Uh, Yeah, I won't use the... (laughs) He puts you into a world that is unloving. That is, not that God created it to be unloving, but man has rebelled against God, and it's a rough place. Anybody out there been hurt? What happens when someone you love, or someone near you, I should just say, hurts you? Your heart closes like a flower, doesn't it? It can be open one moment, like a fragile, delicate flower to the sun of someone's love, and they put some word at you, and it closes, doesn't it? Just like when I was uh, swimming up in Cape Cod one time, looking at uh, scallops. And they were up there in there. They had their shells open, beautiful blue dots in there, just gorgeous colors. I'd look at them as I was snorkeling. I came and brushed near them, and they clammed shut. Our hearts work the same way. When they are hurt by the world, they clam up, they shut, and we build a fortress, deep and mighty, walls that none may penetrate. And now that you've been saved is your, and your heart's been opened to God's love, how much of it, though, is still shut to it? Well, there's a... I don't watch a whole lot of movies, so I'm going to go back to First Night, which I heard, saw some time ago, with King Arthur and Lancelot. And Lancelot was a man who cared for nothing and was a man of women, chance, and circumstance. And King Arthur, played by Sean Connery, at one point, he first meets Lancelot, and they have a little talk. King Arthur learns of Lancelot's uh, perspective on life. And Lancelot's leaving, and Sean Connery, King Arthur, says to him, Lancelot, just a thought, a man who cares for nothing loves nothing. And if you love nothing, what joy can there be in your life? Just a thought. (laughs) Well, does God say the same thing to you as the king when he looks upon the Lancelots in our congregation, all of us, when we have not let his love into our heart? He'd say, Lancelot, a man who cares for nothing loves nothing. And if you love nothing, what joy can there be in your life? Well, that's true. God wants our hearts to be open to his love and to be open all the more to it. We look for love in all the wrong places in life, and when we try to find it from God, that can really scare us. And it scares us even more than trying to find love from other people because when we look at ourselves before a righteous God, 
when we hold ourselves up against his law, his righteous demands, we see that we're sinners. And we despair. And we recognize, if we were truly honest with ourselves, that there's nothing lovable in us, uh, in our sinful state into which we were born. There's nothing lovable in us, and so we ask, how could a righteous God love me? Do you ever feel that? Am I talking to the wind here today? How could God love me? I I want God's love, but how could he love me? Well, let's take a look then at a story that Jesus told. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus says, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that falls to me. And so he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. There he squandered his property in reckless living. You know the story of the prodigal son. He spent all that he had. He became destitute, forsaken, and cast off by the cruel world, unloved. But when he came to his senses... He said, I'll arise and go to my father and say, Father, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired slaves. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. And so the story continues. But what is Jesus telling us here? He says, I loved you in the womb. I loved you when I chose you even before the foundation of the earth was laid. And I loved you also when you were a sinner and you went astray and where there was nothing lovable in you, when you were far afield and forsaken and cast off and, and had turned your back on me. I loved you even then. That's evident, isn't it? Amen? That the father ran and embraced and kissed him. This was the Father's heart all along. And God loves you even when you're a sinner. Even when you turned your back on him, he loved you. Even though we're under his wrath and that we haven't come under his salvation yet in Christ when that happened, he still loved us. He loved us even when we were sinners. Which leads to the next point. If he loved you then, how much more now that you're in Christ, right? Look at what he says in Romans chapter 5. Paul writes, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. He died for who? For whom? (laughs) For whom? The ungodly he died. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good man, one will dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. Why were we yet sinners? Christ died for us. God showed his love for you, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for you. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him by the, from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. God loved you when? When you were in the womb. God loved you at your birth. God loved you before the foundation of the world. God loved you when you were a sinner. God loved you when you were ungodly. God loved you when you were his enemy. That's what I just read. If while we were enemies, 
We were reconciled to God by the death of the Son. How much more now have you come into his love? Am I chipping away at any of those cracks and walls? You know, you're out there. You know who I'm talking to. And you can feel just how crusty and fortress built in you built your walls are and i'm telling you in god now there's nothing to fear because he has reconciled you to himself through his own blood through jesus christ and you who have believed in him have come under the shelter of his grace he loved you even when you were under his wrath and how much more now that you've believed in christ are you able to understand and perceive and experience the love of God. 1 John 4, he writes, Apostle John writes, In this is love, the love of God made manifest among us. What's that mean to be manifest? What's that mean? Huh? Made to be shown. It's like it was uh, spoken, but now it's acted upon. It was hidden, but now it's out in full view. How did God do that? He goes on. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, not that we love God, not that we love God, but that he loved us. He loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. This is where you look to see God's love for you. He actually put it in full view. He didn't just speak it. You know, remember that, was that, uh, what was the, um, my fair lady? Don't talk of love, flaming desire, if you're on fire, show me, right? Remember that song? Well, God's shown you. He's not just talked about it like a poet. He's actually done it for you. So I loved you in the womb. I loved you when I created you. I loved you before I made the world. I loved you when you're a sinner. I loved you when I died for you. Don't you believe I loved you when I died for you, poured out my sins for you. And you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now at work in the sons of disobedience. Among these we all once lived, the passions of our flesh, amen, carrying out the desires of body and mind and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Watch this, Paul says, But God, being rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, out of, as in, this is the source, out of the great love, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive (laughs) together in Christ. By grace, you've been saved. So he loved you when you were born. He loved you before the world. He loved you when you turned your back on him. He loved you when he died for you. He loves you now that you're in his grace, having believed in him. And what goes on, he, and raised us up with him, made us sit with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the coming ages he might show, again, show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. God is love, and until you lay hold of that, nothing's good in your life. I had a scare this week with, a wrongly taken EKG that was taken at the at the doctors, and uh, I heard that I had heart damage and a possible heart attack. It turned out later in the week that 
a cardiologist told me they had the electrodes placed too close together. And uh, I'm fine. I'm great. Whew. I'll tell you, if I didn't have a heart attack before that, I was going to have a heart attack after that. You know, it's like I was feeling good before that, and uh, here I might have heart trouble, and all of a sudden, like, Beth, I can feel it. <laughs> but what I learned is to look again at this. God loves me. And that, if I don't have that, nothing's good. When I'm facing death, when I'm facing life, if I have that, I have everything. And my heart opened a little bit this week. My, the flower blossomed a bit more. Uh, and John says, so we have come to know and believe the love God has for us. And the psalmist 31 says, I'll rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love because you've seen my affliction, you've known the distress of my soul, and you've not delivered me into the hand of the enemy. You've set my feet in a broad place. Huh, thanks be to God. But now I want to address this. What if you have believed in the love of God, have come to know it, and your heart's been open to him, as indeed you are in Christ, as a Christian, but you want that heart to be opened more because you still feel like you're not able to experience the love of God, or it's still, you still have walls. You know, it's like God's, like Ronald Reagan saying, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Can we tear down that wall today? Would you let God do it? How do you do it? How do you open a flower to the sun? How do you open a clam or an oyster that's clammed shut? Well, if you put a flower in the sunshine, it opens up. Yesterday we had that rain came down. We have these beautiful purple flowers in the backyard. They all closed up. They're all gone. I was like, there's no purple back there. The sun came out this morning. They popped open. It had to bathe in the sunlight. How about a clam or, let's say, an oyster with a pearl? If you want to get it open, how do you do it? Do you pry it open? You might break it. Or you probably never get in. Do you pull it with your strength? Do you smash it with a hammer? How do you get it? You put it in warm water. And you just let it warm up slowly over time. In time, in time, it opens of its own. And that's what God wants with our hearts. That's what the whole Christian life's about, is bathing in the love of God and having our hearts opened to him. Take a battered dog. If you go to a, uh, a shelter and you want to get a pet, and you bring a home a, a, a dog that's all, you know, got the clumps in his hair, and he's shy, and he's hiding behind the couch, and he doesn't trust anybody in the world because he had a bad master, and his heart has a fortress of walls, and he won't trust you. He won't come out, and he growls when you come near. But he's in... But you love him as the master, and you love him every day. What happens to that dog? Slowly, he ceases his whining, and he comes out just a little bit. You drop a crumb on the, lawn, on, the, on the ground, and he'll come closer to you, a crumb a little bit closer, a little closer. Finally, one day, that dog is able to just barely take some food out of your hand. The next day, he's more bold. He takes out of the hand more uh, confidently. And finally, at the end of this story, the dog jumps into the loving arms of his master because he's learned to trust him and enjoy his master and his master enjoy him. Well, when you come to Christ, when you become a Christian, you're still messed up, beaten up by the world with a lot of, a lot of walls. 
And what God does with, with you, his love is not changeable. He's here today and gone tomorrow. It's the same every day. Just like the master with the dog, patiently, lovingly, kindly, administering his grace to you. And over time, you come out from behind the couch. Your heart opens up a little bit. You begin to trust his hands. And then finally, in the end, what God's leading you to is that you would know his love in such a way as you leap into his arms and rejoice in him as he rejoices in you every day. And this is what God's doing. So how do you do that? The answer is in 1 John chapter 4, where John the Apostle says, we love because he first loved us. Can you say that with me? We love because he first loved us. So if we want to love, we've got to first see how God has loved us. And let your heart bathe in that every day. If you're like, I take in the gospel and you let it around your heart. God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him not perish but have eternal life. And your heart is still hard after you've heard that and believed it. What do you do? Let it continue to soak. You know, if you have dishes that are left overnight and they get the, the, the food gets crusty on them, hard to get out, what do you do with the dishes? You put it into the sink. You don't scrub there hard. You just put them in the sink. Let them soak. Let them soak. And then pretty soon, all that crust comes off easily. Well, do the same with your heart. Put it into the grace and bathe it in the love of God, which he has for you in Jesus Christ. Pretty soon, all that crust just comes off easily. Pretty soon the walls come falling down of themselves, just like Jericho. Uh, because God, I'll tell you, loves you. And is cons- as loving to you as he ever has been and ever will be, he's perfect. And he's not changeable. Even when he disciplines you, he disciplines you as a father, his son, in whom he delights. And he loves you. Love is patient and kind. Love is not envy or boastful. It's not arrogant or rude. doesn't insist on its own way not irritable or resentful, doesn't rejoice at the wrong, but rejoices in the right. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Oh, desperado, why don't you come to your senses? Been out riding fences for so long now. Oh, you're a hard one. You've got your reasons. Things that are pleasing you can hurt you somehow. Desperado, why don't you come to your senses? Come down from your fences and open the gate. Maybe raining, there's a rainbow above you. You better let somebody love you. Let somebody love you. You better let somebody love you. For it's too late. So let God love you. Let his love pour over you. For we know that God works all things together for good with those who love him. I'll conclude then with this word. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, and all these things were more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, I am sure, I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, 
in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Would you please stand? <clears throat> Let's rejoice in the God who's loved us and loves you today still. The words of the Apostles' Creed found on page 9. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated.
torch shall ring, our voices we will raise, the three in one to sing, and thus proclaim in joyful song, both loud and long, glorious name. We thank thee, our God, and praise thy glorious name. All things come from thee, and of thy own have we given thee. O Lord, all this abundance that we've provided in this offering comes from thy hand and is all thy own. We have offered freely and joyously to thee. Keep forever such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of thy people and direct our hearts toward thee. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and all people according to their needs. You know our thoughts and our works, O Lord, and still you love us. Grant us hearts that will respond to your love and your guidance. Grant us the will to trust in your will and know your steadfast love and follow wherever you lead us, through thick and thin, the valley of the shadow of death, as well as the heights of Mount Zion. Grant us courage and strength for the journey which you lay out before us. Lord, in your mercy. Father, you know our struggle with sin and the weaknesses of our flesh. You know the incessant attacks of the evil one in the world. But you still forgive and restore us in Christ. Grant us the wisdom to discern the right path before us and the desire to do what is good and pleasing in your sight and to lay down our lives for one another in love as Christ himself laid down his life for us in love. Lord, in your mercy. You know the many dangers before us, and yet your presence is always with us. Grant that we may not fall into any danger, keep us from all evil, that would deny us what you have prepared for us in the life which is to come, where you will make us to know and experience the immeasurable riches of your grace and kindness to us in Christ Jesus in the coming ages. Lord, in your mercy. You know our needs even better than we. And you give us only what is good and profitable for our salvation, working all things together for good with those who love you, who are called according to your purpose. Grant your blessing to your church and to all who serve us in your name. Grant your blessing to every agency of our church that witnesses your gospel, teaches your word, and displays your compassion to the world, to those in need, and especially to the redeemed. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, you know all the might of man, and yet your power is far greater still. Grant your aid to those who lead us in this age and to every land. Prosper the cause of peace, extend freedom's gift to all people, and guide us to work in harmony for the common good. Lord, in your mercy. You are the God who, whose love gave us life and whose love purchased our lives back from the grave, back from sin and death through Jesus Christ, our Lord, your Son, the one and only Savior of the world. Hear us also as we pray for each of those assembled and for all your people as they have needs. For Catherine Baker, Janet Berry, Drew Dorsett, Jerry Doyle, Betty Duda, Jeremy Dugan, Dottie Duncan, Amelia Gentry, Don G. Rowe, Kim Green, Art Hansen, Joan Dalbert, Linda Johnson, 
Andrew Powell, Wes Kronberger, Irene Lawrence, Iris Overby, Beth Don Virginia Lassier, the London the Flyer families, Ernie Ortenberg, Marge Pichel, Mark Prost, Lucille Schmidt, Sherry Stefan, Archie Undersayer, and Faith Ward. As your love has called them, created them, chose them before the foundation, and now redeemed them, so also continue it today and lift them up in strength and newness of health and in the confidence of the grace and love that you have for them in Christ Jesus, our Savior. Lord, in your mercy, for these are prayers for all others in our hearts. Father, we pray, knowing that you're able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. You be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. For the blessing, instead of number six, I think we'll do 2 Corinthians 13. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. By grace I'm saved, grace free and boundless. My soul believe and doubt it not. Why stagger at this word of promise? As scripture ever falsehood taught. No, then this word must true remain. By grace you too will life obtain. By grace none dare lay hold to harm. Our works and conduct have no worth. God in his love sends our Redeemer, Christ Jesus, to this sinful earth. His death did for our sins atone, and we are saved by grace alone. By grace this ground of faith is certain, as long as God is true it stands. What saints have penned by inspiration, what in his word our God commands. God has done, depends on grace, grace through his Son. By grace to timid hearts that tremble in tribulations furnace tried. By grace in spite of fear and trouble, the Father's heart is open wide. Where could I help but strength secure if grace were not my anchor sure? By the when dying, 
In Jesus' promise I rejoice, for though I know my heart's condition, I also know my Savior's voice. My heart is glad, all grief has flown, since I am saved by grace alone. 